0: Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we worship today, the theme will be God is Trinity. As you know, we are discussing various doctrines of the Christian faith each Sunday during this summer season, and today it is on the Trinity. We have a guest who will be speaking uh, to us about that. I'll introduce him in a moment. But uh, the, the hymn we begin with speaks of praising God on earth and sky and sea and all of God's creation praising God. If I remember my Hebrew right, that in the Hebrew language there's no superlative, as in you can't say holiest, and so to speak of the holiness of God, you have to say holy, 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 and that's what we're going to sing. Let's stand together and do so now.
1: On the litany of invitation and confession. We lift our voices in joyful praise to God, who creates, redeems, and loves. God good and good and Through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we experience the abundant life and love of God. We experience Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will never be without God.
2: God, never to or to us, and God his truth.
1: We worship God as transcendent creator, liberating redeemer, and intimate spirit. We
2: join.
1: Brothers and sisters, our confession is heard. God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in praise to God.
0: Welcome again to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist. It has been our tradition over the last several years that during the summer that we gathered here in the chapel for worship. It's more of an intimate setting. We get to to sing so robustly and we get to connect with each other as well as with God. So welcome to this time of worship. If you're a guest with us today, there is on the edge of your order of service, A uh, a welcome card, a response card, if you would take a moment to complete that, drop it in the offering plate, it'll help me connect uh, name and uh, face with you. And also, if there are any prayer requests that you have, you can place that, any of you, place that on that card, drop it in the offering plate. And it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need uh, every week. So, Welcome. Um, We have a guest uh, speaking to us, preaching to us in this hour is Dr. Graham Walker. He is professor of theology at the McAvee School of Theology. He's presented and preached here before. He's been a foreign missionary, a missionary to the Philippines, and now he's a missionary to Mercer University. (laughs) So uh, we and I uh, welcome him. Also, Graham, We're glad that um, Jerry Humphreys is here today. Jerry hadn't been able to come much this summer. She didn't come to hear me preach. She didn't come to hear Daniel preach. But she came to hear you preach, and she's 103 years old. 103 so far. And so if Jerry Humphreys can make it to worship... I'm looking at some people that I could call by name. had haven't been here much this summer, but uh, just just make note, make note. It is certainly a gift to see you. Thank you you for being here, LaDonna. So, as we bring ourselves before God, our hearts are open, our ears are open. Welcome to the worship of God.
1: An Invitation to Praise God, Who Encourages, Includes, and Heals. A reading from the Psalms. Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God! For he is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers. Holy and mysterious God, whose nature is far beyond our understanding, who is higher than the heavens and closer than our breath, you are a God who longs to be in relationship with us. You want to know us, so you reveal yourself to us in a myriad of ways. We know you as a loving parent, a risen Lord a mighty wind, the great physician, and a friend of sinners. We are never really sure how you are able to be all these things to us, O oh God, but you are, and we praise you. But God, we know you best as our powerful creator, our loving redeemer, and our comforting spirit. Creator God, we are astounded by your power. You are the one who sang the distant stars into being and who rocks the earth's foundations to sleep each night. Long ago, your voice called us into being, out of darkness into light, and you called us good. We are yours by your delight, and we are grateful. Loving Redeemer, we marvel at your unselfish love. You are our brother and friend and Savior of us all. We look to you as our model for loving one another as you first loved us. So lead us in your holy way that we may grow in becoming all that you have redeemed us to be. And dynamic spirit, we feel your presence among us. You travel life's journey with us, comforting us when the way is hard, inspiring us to be better than we are, and giving us hope for the unknown days ahead. Help us to breathe in more of your spirit so that we might know you more fully and deeply. Awesome and present God, we give you thanks for all the ways you come to us, even though it is sometimes a puzzle. Bless us, we pray, in our uncertainties, and teach us the grace to place our limited understanding in the wonder of your unlimited hands. And now hear us, Triune God, as we pray the prayer that our Lord and Savior taught his disciples long ago to pray by saying, Our Father,
3: Love begins with God and is realized in the lives of God's people. A reading from the first letter of John. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since... God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Here ends the second lesson.
4: and boys you can join us at the front. to see you today. You have gum in your mouth, that's great. So I brought with me a bag of sand. I was at the beach this past week and I thought, you know, I, I wanted to talk about some sand and stars today. Have you ever been to the beach? Yes. I so, went to the beach. so you know there's sand everywhere. Yes, yes. So there's sand everywhere. for my vacation, I I went to a beach. Yeah. Well, it was, I don't know how many weeks ago, but it was a bunch of weeks ago. Yeah, so there's sand everywhere at the beach. Lots and lots of sand, Um. right? And there are beaches all around the world with lots and lots of sand. But have you ever looked into the night sky and seen how many stars there were? there are lots of stars. And there's this thing called the Milky Way. And there are between 100 and 400 billion stars just just in the Milky Way. And all of those stars, there are even more stars than that in the universe. There are more stars in the universe than there are little teeny tiny grains of sand on this entire planet the water, the crabs in the water, the heat in the water. Yes, that's right. But there are more stars in the universe than there are little teeny tiny grains of sand on this entire earth. This bag right here Mommy, Daddy. is heavy. Feel how heavy it is. That's a lot of sand. And there are more stars than this little bag in the world. There are more stars than the entire all of the sand in the entire earth. Isn't that crazy? So when I was looking out at the night sky and seeing all of these beautiful stars, I couldn't help but thinking about where God was. Where do you think God was? Have you ever looked out in the night sky and wondered where God was? God has created that. There's a scripture in the Bible, it's from the book of Psalms, that says, it says, O oh God, your name, O oh God, reaches to the ends of the earth. That means that God is everywhere. God is, as, God is in the night sky as far as you can see and beyond. And God is within us, too. So where is God? If God is everywhere, if God is surrounding us, if God is in the trees and in the birds and the air and the wind... Where does God go with you? Everywhere. everywhere. So is God at home with you? Does God go to the soccer fields with you? Does God go to Six Flags with you? Yeah, yeah God goes everywhere with us. God is in us and around us. God is in the people around us. So we can look for I God. Some, some gum in my mouth. God is everywhere. And we can look for God in everyone. My mouth. And in all things. So this no. week. This week, let's try to do that. Let's what look is out. There's sand in, there? there's sand in here. Suit. It is squishy. Let's look out into the sky and think about where God is in creation this week. And let's think about where God is in our lives. Well, okay?
2: Well, white sun.
4: Let's pray. Dear God. Thank you for being all around us and being in us and taking care of us and loving us so well. We love you too. In your name we pray. Amen. I always have soil to...
0: Bring a word. Some of us grew up in the tradition where there were testimonies. But we don't use that word much, but it's still true. And so uh, we've called on Amy to tell some of how her story integrates with God's story and our story today. Amy?
5: Thank you. Uh, Daniel asked me to speak about my passion and love for singing in the choir which I think also includes choral music in general, I started singing at probably age 13 or 14 in my youth choir and was fortunate to have some very excellent ministers of music who taught us Messiah, Mendelssohn, Mozart, Bach, and those sort of things, even though in the mid-'60s we did do the youth musicals like everyone else did. But... Um, so I had a very good choral upbringing. When I came, We came in Northside and joined in 1974. George had already been a watch care member. Standing in the receiving line, the Sunday we joined, Clyde Herndon comes up and says, do you sing? So of course I had to admit that I did. That began a 44-year saga of choral singing and choir singing at Northside, and I've been the music librarian since sometime in the mid-80s, I can't remember exactly, which means that I catalog and maintain probably around 4,000 different pieces of music or anthems and oratorios and cantatas in our library, which is extensive. But why I love singing in the choir, I think the main thing is that it makes me happy. I'm happy singing in the choir. I don't have a strong feeling for missions, and I'm not good with children. But singing in the choir means that I'm helping participate and lead in the worship service. That's um, one thing that makes me feel happy. And also, I feel a sense of accomplishment when I've learned some new music And we do a great job on Sunday morning, and we all feel proud that we've learned something and we've performed it beautifully, and that it has helped the congregation experience God in our worship service. Um, I really have not thought about why singing makes me happy until I saw an article, and I think it was in the New York Times, in 2013, the University of Gothenburg in Sweden studied the heart rate of singers, and they found that as the singers start singing unison, their heart rates all slow and join into the same rhythm. And they said that this includes a congregation. When you sing the phrases in the form of guided breathing, and you're exhaling and you're inhaling together, your heart slows down, and it's a beautiful way to feel. means you're not alone, but you're with others who feel the same way. And other studies have shown that choral singing may stimulate the production of oxytocin, which is a hormone that prono- promotes feelings of happiness and an emotional bond. And choir participation may promote that mental state known as flow, which is a highly productive state that combine sharp attention with calmness. And as your hearts and lungs work together in symphony, your emotions become synchronized too. And that's a phenomenon that may help people move from a self-centered perspective to a collective consciousness or shared worldview. And I feel like this applies to the congregation. You know, one of the advantages of sitting in the choir is that I can see all. (laughs) And I see all of you sitting at the back, standing there like bumps on a log when the hymns are being sung. Most of you, I know, can read. If you would stand with the hymnal, and I know there's some that can't see it and some that can't hold it, and even just read along to yourself, breathing with the group, You will become part of the congregation, and you will feel the synchrony of the singing. There's a reason the hymns are chosen. They have words, and the choir would appreciate it if you would join us and don't just let us sing all by ourselves. Thank you.
1: Prologue of the Fourth Gospel, a reading from the Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The Gospel of the Lord.
6: It is a gift to be with you this morning. It's great to see former students, current students. Be here with good friends, former um, colleagues, classmates, and now co-workers. It's a wonderful time. I just wish that you hadn't given me the Trinity to deal with. (laughs) That being said, it is a gift to be here with you. The prologue of John's Gospel is an interesting one because the author, John, has condensed the message into a few paragraphs in poetic form. There is no birth narrative. The details of the actual events are assumed. The story has been told, passed on, handed down. In John's gospel, the cosmic meaning needs to be explained to a large number, a multicultural group of folks. There were Jews, there were Greeks, and there were Romans all having grown up with different cultural assumptions. You need to know who this Jesus was and how he fit into the scheme of things. John begins with a phrase that will bring the Hebrew mind back to the scriptures. In the beginning. And any Hebrew worth his salt or her salt would say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It made sense. Then he appealed to the Greek mind and says, Was the Word, you know, the logos, the structure of everything, the reasoned, intellectual form of the way the universe is, the organizing principle? That's clear enough. And to say that the Word was with God would have made sense to the Hebrews. They would have remembered. Proverbs and the wisdom literature describing Sophia or wisdom as the female figure who was said to be with God through the creation of the world and in relationship to humankind. Would have made sense. But then John does something that just messes up everything. And the word was God. Nope. Nope, that's a new one. That one just doesn't click. I remember my four-year-old many years ago, in fact, 22 years ago, she said, what does it mean to say the word was with God and the word was God? How can that be, Dad? I don't get it. This was a challenge and a problem that would not go away, and it took a long time to even resolve in church history. The Gospel of John requires us to ask the question, what is the inner nature of God? What is the character of our understanding of God as Christians? That's the difference. John, without using the word, has introduced a concept that we've come to know as the Trinity. God is no longer a single monad, not any individual object that you can see that appears from the outside. Now the word was with God and the word was God. The gospel goes on in verses 14 and 17 to make it very clear that the word is, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he goes on to say, For the law has given...
0: people to be able to hear you and that microphone went out.
6: Did this microphone go
0: out? Yeah. So we're going to swap this out. And I think the last thing we heard was about the four-year-old. Seriously? No, no, no. About about two minutes ago.
6: Okay. Two minutes ago, huh? You heard Thrilla and Manila. You got that. We're good. They say over at uh, Church of Ponson Highlands and Robbie, you know that as Druid Hills Baptist Church. They say, I don't need a microphone. They turn it down. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. So you get to the debate had to be dealt with, the Thrilla and Manila, Muhammad Ali versus Frazier, or it's the best rap beef if you're over 30. Just pretend, nod your head, oh, yeah, you got it. If you're under 30, just pretend you understand Thrilla and Manella. We're good to go. It's a debate. And it met at, in, near Constantinople in Nicaea. And the bishops agreed on this. And I know you know this by heart because you have accolades, right? OK. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only begotten from the substance of the Father, God from God, not made a creature, but one substance with the Father. This helped to clarify the early Christian understanding of God and how we came to understand this concept. But it didn't settle the question of the essential character of who God was. There were two theologians, light heavyweight kinds of theologians like to box it out. One was named Arius, the other Athanasius. Arius believed that divinity to be complete of itself, transcendence, Transcendent God had to be distanced from all other, free from all attachments, and was absolutely self-sufficient. This understanding of God has God ruling over the world, but wholly separate from the world. This God requires agents to relate to the world, the agent of the Son, and the agent would be the one who goes out and ministers on behalf of the Father, but access to the Father would not be made available. I've seen this in certain areas of the Philippines where Mimi and I were missionaries for 13 years. And it kind of reflected like something I grew up with at my house. So let me kind of try to describe it. You have Jesus with the wavy hair as being the one who is under Mary. And Mary is the one who relates to God the Father. So you say your prayers through Jesus that goes to Mary that goes to God the Father. And in that regard, it represented what my mother used to say every day in the summer. Do not ask your father when he comes home from work for anything. You tell me, I will wait when the time is right. I will ask him, and if you jump in there before I get there, you will just blow it. So don't blow it. We always blew it. But nonetheless it represented a kind of an Arian form of understanding of a relationship of power. Athanasius disagreed with Arius. Athanasius believed that the son is completely equal to the father. And the son is eternal, permanent, um, in relationship to the father. Athanasius believed that Arius was wrong about God. Being absolutely self-sufficient, superior, and transcendent is not the essential character of divinity nor was it with my father, I learned many years later. Athanasius uses the Gospel of John to describe the essential character of God, God as self-giving love. Self-giving love. God's reality within himself is a relationship, like a parent to a child. This morning we looked at beautiful pictures from the Philippines of a title, term, magina which means a mother-child relationship that is so knit together that the two are like one. And it's a beautiful description. It's one of the best I can come up with for the analogy of what Athanasius was trying to get to. God exists together as father-son relationship. It is not a hierarchical relationship, but a relationship of parent and child mutually loving relationship. So why is this important? It forces us to ask ourselves what we worship. Who do we want to be like? What qualities do we hope to possess as children of God? Theologian Arthur McGill uses this to kind of focus his bottom line in his book, Suffering. He states, love and not transcendence Giving and not being superior are the qualities that mark God's divinity. Love and not superiority. Self-giving and mutuality are what mark the character of God. And since giving entails receiving, there must be a receptive and dependent side within the very being of God learning how to receive from others becomes as important as learning how to give to others. Isn't that incredible? It's remarkable. Within God is a dynamism of giving and receiving and needing and serving. And according to McGill, it is our pride and not love that fears dependence and that worships transcendence. Again, so why is this a point? The distinction affects the way we pray. Do we pray, God, you are so awesome in your transcendence? I wish to be more like you, free and independent from all those connections. We heard Amy just speak so eloquently about the beauty of music and how it brings our heart rhythms together, not just in the choir, but the focus then brings the whole community together. The joy of the music is celebrating the community of unity together. You can't be 103 years old celebrated in this community, right, Jerry? Unless a relationships are here that celebrates you. It's a celebration of that relationship. Can we pray, God, you are so awesome in your interdependence. I know I am more like you, when I am dependent on others for help and giving to them in response to their need. Hmm. One way that we can identify what we really believe and what we value is by asking ourselves what we wish for our children, our grandchildren, that kind of thing. And I might have to ask you to plug, have the, most of the children are no longer in here, but they might need to plug their ears for a moment. I found an example in Harper's Magazine, about a list of donor profiles uh, registered with the Heredity Choice Sperm Bank of California. So if you're looking to create the perfect child, here are some of the characteristics that they list as number one, general appearance, attractive, regular features, tall, slender, muscular, personality, warm, persevering, well-balanced, good balance of introversion, extroversion, not too much, extroversion, not too much, introversion, with broad interests. Athletics, good coordination, stamina, excellent. Achievements, a distinguished economist whose works has been influential published in three different fields. Looking for that kind of sperm donor, right? Okay. Second contender is uh, interesting. Uh, characteristics include very handsome, movie star face, personality, quietly charismatic, slightly extroverted, athletic excellent stamina, achievements, you'll love this one, professor of chemistry who has achieved international recognition with over 200 publications. <laughs> yes. What does this list tell us about the value of our culture? We want to be attractive because being physically attractive gives us power rather than being manipulated by others. We want to be physically strong and not dependent. We want to be smart and successful so that we can be self-sufficient. Being attractive, strong, and successful are not bad characteristics to have. But the list says something about our beliefs about the meaning and purpose of life. We seem to believe that God really meant for people to be perfectly healthy, bright, and capable in all necessities of life. It's only because of the fall that that imperfection is not there. We did not get that from the Gospel of John. The God revealed in Jesus Christ exercised powerfulness by giving and receiving love. This is a difficult truth to grasp, in a world that lives by the power of domination. The author of the Gospel of John recognizes the problem and he writes, he was in the world and through the world was made, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Why couldn't they recognize the one who created him? As long as as real power seems to be the capacity of force and domination, then need is seen as a great flaw in one's life. From this point of view, the picture of God is one who is untouchable. But if true power is seen as the activity of mutual giving, then need ceases to be a threat, and rather it becomes an occasion for service, without the need of which there would be no creative love in the world. Hmm. McGill points out that the law of life in the New Testament is not the list of things you need to do to be perfect. It is what is revealed in Jesus, and you are to love that with your heart, the soul, your mind, and your strength. Do this, and your life will become a life of self-expending service and mutual love then you will be perfect as God is perfect. So what is the good news portrayed in the Gospel of John? It was that the inner life of God was revealed not so much in absolute transcendence, but in community, as relationship, as mutual giving and receiving. And the inner life of God has overflowed the boundaries of divinity and has come to be made a part of us. This is the word of the Lord.
0: It is our tradition that when a word is spoken, an invitation to dedication is also offered. Graham, thanks for showing up, bringing yourself, and bringing the gift of sermon today. Uh, I was thinking that as you were preaching about God as relationship, how I've watched you after long days of conference and theological classes, hang out with the seminarians and discuss theology. That takes stamina. As we relate to God in relationship, we uh, some of us some of us say that that God shows up as we show up in presence with one another, kind of like the song that Amy was referencing. That's what we're going to sing about of how the Spirit of God descends upon us as we are together. We will sing the first, second, and fifth stanzas. Let's stand together and sing.
7: Well, every time we gather, we bring our concerns, and I bring some concerns to you this morning and some announcements. Uh, first, uh, there is still a Habitat for Humanity sign-up sheet. There, sh- there should be one uh, in the narthex here. And on the table as you leave, we've already had a lot of people sign up for the inaugural uh, day where uh, Northside Drive Baptist Church will be uh, helping to lead on August 4th in an interfaith build. So I encourage you to sign up for that. Um, As you know, and some of you may not, uh, we have many concerns in the congregation this morning. Our prayers reach uh, throughout the world with some good news first uh, that we learned this morning that I I understand there were six boys rescued from the cave in Thailand. Our prayers are with the remainder of them that they'll be rescued soon. Our prayers are with many in this congregation who have suffered loss this week with uh, the family of Uh, Larry McSwain, for his mother, uh, whose funeral will be on Tuesday, to the family of Amy Redd and David Bell, Uh, Amy's father died, whose funeral is today, and for the family of uh, Zeke and Kate's husband, who's uh, experienced the loss of a dear family friend last week, um, who will be buried today as well, also with Dan Oakley, who's recovering uh, in Grady Hospital uh, and for others that we've named before and those that you hold uh, close in your heart this morning, uh, we give you thanks. Next Sunday will be Anna Kate's last Sunday with us. Um, wanted you to know that there will be a special time of blessing at the end of that service. where We'll ask the children to gather around her for that blessing time. And at the end of the service... We invite the entire congregation next Sunday to gather on the steps of uh, the chapel for eliminating cookies to say our goodbye to Anna Kate. Thanks, Anna Kate. And now we continue our worship with the giving of tithes and offerings with uh, music provided by Jeff on piano and singing by Johnny Elder with one of my favorite hymns, In Christ Alone.
8: The wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ. fresh as blood. Uh
0: loving God, our hearts are full today of thoughts of you, of love for you, and the amazing grace of your love for us. We give thanks for Johnny's song of how in Christ alone we have our hope. May that hope follow us all week long as we go in peace and grace. And we pray that these tithes and offerings be received in the same manner. May they be shared with much hope among us and much joy among us. Indeed, it is like we are pilgrims in a barren land, but you are strong and you are mighty. Lead us, O thou great Jehovah. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. you're welcome. And as we prepare to go, remember, may the strength of Christ uplift us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround us, and the grace and mercy of God give us hope and give us courage, this day and every day, as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. Amen. love you
2: I love you too
0: you take care glad you're here today glad you had her here and you're here hey man hey man you take care okay said that Marilyn Monroe look. <laughs> hey, Corbin. Hey, I guess you heard they let the dean go at Maccabee School of Theology. Yeah, they, uh, they took him out of that job and made him a faculty member, and now there's an interim dean. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? You doing all right, Doc? good, yeah.
2: I just got back from
0: Oh. Oh, that was a real vacation. That was a real vacation. Ah, good. Glad you're back okay.